Hi, I'm Mike, lead pastor at The Ridge, and this is our weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our desire is for you to grow in relationship with God, connect with others, and to experience God's purpose for life by adding value to the life of another. I hope that this message will build your faith and encourage you as we seek to grow together in God's Word. Enjoy today's message. Cinderella, a classic rags-to-riches story. Her mom dies. Her stepmom treats her like a slave. Her life is miserable until she gets a break, a big one. She has a fairy godmother, casts a spell. She gets to the royal ball. She meets meets a prince. The prince likes. Well, this prince, he must not have been too smooth because... He didn't even get her cell phone number. (laughs) How's he going to find her? Well, she left something behind. What was it? Yeah, right? The the glass slipper. So the way I figure, here's the moral of the Cinderella story. A new pair of shoes can change your life. (laughs) Yeah, somebody's going to go from here saying, I got to get a new pair of shoes. That's what I heard in church today. That's the only thing I heard in church today. (laughs) Well, I hope we hear a little bit more. We're teaching through Genesis 37 through 50. It's the story of Joseph. And Joseph, in many respects, he's like the Cinderella story of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 41, the chapter we're on today, this is like the turning point. This is where he gets his big break. Chapter 41, Joseph, he begins in prison, but by the end of chapter 41, it's this. Verse 41, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Move over, Cinderella. Make room for Joseph. How would you like that? How would you like to experience something like that? A gigantic promotion, a full ride scholarship, a video that goes viral, or you meet your Prince Charming. In Genesis chapter 41, Joseph goes from rags to riches, from a prison to a palace. How? Well, Genesis 41 begins in the bedroom of the Pharaoh. He had a dream, a nightmare. Verse 1, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the river bank. Nothing unusual yet. It was quite common for cows in Egypt to graze nearly submerged in the Nile to protect them from heat and flies. Here's what happens next. Verse 4. The cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. You call that a nightmare? I mean, I've had daydreams that are scarier than that. Come on, Pharaoh. Well, when you hear cows, don't think this. 
Isn't that cute? That's not this. Pharaoh gives us more details about these cows in verse 19. It says, after them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. What's that about? These aren't just normal cows. These are ugly cows. And they aren't just ugly cows. They're carnivorous cows. And they're not just carnivorous cows. They're cannibalistic cows. See, I imagine that the cows in Pharaoh's dream looked more along the lines of this. Yikes. And this, these freaky, ugly, zombie-like cows open up their, their massive mouths, roar, and they have these vampire teeth. They eat up, cannibalize the other cows. Pharaoh wakes up. He's, he's in a sweat. He's looking around the room thinking, are there any cannibalistic cows? Are there any cannibalistic cows? Are there any cannibalistic cows? No. And he goes back to sleep. Well, passage goes on and tells us Pharaoh has another dream. Same concept as dream number one, but it's toned down a little bit. In dream number two, grain stocks swallow grain stocks instead of freaky cows cannibalizing cows. Next morning, Pharaoh has this sense, these weren't just dreams. These were messages from God. What does he do? Verse eight. In the morning... His mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. There's a cultural gap here. Don't confuse these people with the magicians that are around today. These people, they weren't wearing tuxedos and waving magic wands and pulling rabbits out of a hat. No, these magicians, they were the spiritual leaders of the land. There are very few atheists today spirituality is in it's it's popular most people believe in some kind of spirituality whatever form it takes whatever works for you whatever spiritual flavor you prefer spirituality is good that is not what the bible teaches bible teaches that there are two sources of spirituality there are good spirits and there are evil spirits Not all that is spiritual is good. Be careful. Be aware. Just because something is spiritual doesn't mean it's good. It could be, it could be a false spirit. It could be an evil spirit. It could be a a spirit of darkness. Be careful what you get involved in. Well, Genesis 41. The spiritual leaders of Egypt, they were baffled. They couldn't figure out the meaning of Pharaoh's dream as they were scrambling for answers. The cupbearer pipes up. Hey, I know a guy. Verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. You know what that sounds like? Well, Cinderella. From the dungeon to the throne. Verse 14 continues. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. See, Joseph, he doesn't get the three little mice and the pumpkin carriage, but he did get a makeover. He he got shaved. He got his clothes changed. And if you remember from your world history class, the ancient Egyptian unit, the Pharaoh of Egypt was considered to be a god. 
So here's what's going on. We have Pharaoh, we have the God of Egypt asking a Hebrew slave, fresh out of prison, can you help me? (laughs) Do you see this? You see what God's showing us here? He's showing us there is a power that is work in this world that is bigger, that is deeper, that is greater than the power structures of our world. If you don't like the president or the senators or the people in power or maybe your boss, take a deep breath and read this with me. Psalm 24, verse 1. Join me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. No matter who holds office, God, he still holds the world. Put your faith, put your trust, put your hope, put your confidence in him. Genesis 41 Joseph, he's the only person in the whole land who can interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Verse 26, he says, the seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. Seven years of bumper crops followed by seven years of famine. Joseph, he advises Pharaoh to save some during the good years to use during the the lean years. Pharaoh, he agrees and he tells Joseph, verse 40, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will I. I be greater than you. In other words, Joseph, you're number two. I'm number one. You do all the work and I'll get all the credit. (laughs) Know anybody like that? Well, that's Pharaoh. And Joseph, well, he does it. He implements policy. He builds storehouses. He collects grain. He manages distribution. He succeeds and he saves many people from starvation. Woohoo! Right? What a great story! From a prison to a palace, from rags to riches, Joseph, he seems like the Cinderella of the Bible. In Genesis 41, Joseph gets his big break. Not so fast. What happens here with Joseph, this isn't just a lucky break. This isn't just random. Joseph, what happens here, God is speaking. Let's look closely. Let's get at it this way. Let's say you you get a personal invitation from the President of the United States, sends Air Force One, brings you to the Oval Office, says, I've got a problem, and you are the only one who has a solution. Will you help me? What an opportunity. How, How would you respond? Well, look at how Joseph responds to that kind of a situation. Verse 16. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. I cannot do it. What? Who is this guy? Because this doesn't sound like the kid who was preening around in the coat of many colors. 
13 years ago, Joseph, he seemed more than eager to interpret dreams and to tell people how great he was. Remember that? Chapter 37, verse 9, Joseph said, listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. 13 years later, no sun, no stars, no bowing. No, just this. Verse 16, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph is saying, I can't, but I know a guy. Joseph, one of the things that I think we're supposed to see and ask in this passage is what happened? Joseph is different. As we see Joseph in chapter 1, he's different than Joseph in chapter 37. We're supposed to ask, what happened? How did Joseph change? I can't, but God can. What happened to Joseph? Well, here's what happened to Joseph. Between chapter 37 and chapter 41, the pit, the Potiphar's, and the prison. Joseph went through some really tough stuff. Joseph, he went through stuff that hurt him. He went through stuff that challenged him. And that stuff, it changed him. Made him a better person. Made him a deeper person. Made him a less egocentric person. Want to know one of the greatest challenges in my life? I want to be happy. And God wants me to be holy. Those usually are not the same thing. So I get to a passage like this one in Genesis 41. And here's what's going on in my mind. I think I don't want that. I don't want to go through what Joseph went through. 13 years of pits and Potiphar's and prisons. No thanks. I I don't want that kind of thing. I don't want the tough seasons in life. I just want to be happy. The pits and the Potiphar's and the prisons, they seem to interfere with my personal happiness. But here's what we see when we can step back and see a bigger perspective. We see that God consistently has this way of using challenges and difficult seasons in life to hone skills and to break wills, to shape character and to give deeper layers of depth. God, he's more concerned with our holiness than with our happiness. He's more concerned with our faith than with our feelings. Anybody want to be mature spiritually? 
That doesn't happen when we get everything that we want. And that doesn't happen when we get all the answers. And that doesn't happen when life goes according to our time frame. God, He uses the pits and the potiphers and the prisons in our lives to refine us and shape us and grow our character and mature our faith. What are the pits and the potiphers and the prison in your life today? A lawsuit? A custody battle, financial pressure, a burdensome job, strained relationship, health issues. Maybe you feel anxious or depressed or very alone. I don't know what pit or Potiphar or prison you're facing today, but I do know you have a choice. You have a choice to turn toward God or to turn away from God. You have a choice to grow mature or to grow bitter. God is working around you and God is working in you. Don't give up on him. Lean in and trust him. That would be a pretty good place to stop. But I have one more thing, one irritating little question. So Cinderella's fairy godmother shows up, bippity-boppity-boo. You know, she's off to the royal ball. She meets Prince Charming. Here's my question. Why in the world would Cinderella marry a man who didn't even remember her name? Is it just me? I don't get that part of the story. Well, Genesis chapter 41. The whole thing, the turning point of the life of Joseph, it all hinges on this. Joseph knowing what Pharaoh's dream meant. Whole thing. That is the hinge and the turning point of this chapter and of Joseph's life. So I think we're supposed to ask the question, well, how did he know? Well, we say God told him. Yeah, but how? How did God tell him? Maybe you've heard this passage in the Bible, but have you ever thought about that? How did Joseph hear from God? How did Joseph know the interpretation of that dream? Because I'd like to know because I would like to be able to hear from God like that. Specific. Tangible. I mean, I'm facing decisions and, and choices. I'd like to hear what Joseph heard. Would you? Good news. You can. It's in here. But you have to look really close. Look at verse 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? That, that's a big deal. For the very first time in the Bible, we're told that someone has the Holy Spirit. A human being has the Holy Spirit. First time. 
Now today, after the, the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection, the Holy Spirit is a gift given to all who believe in Jesus. Which means when we say, you know, I've not had a perfect run in life. I've made some mistakes. I've, I've sinned and I can't do anything to repay that. I can't make that up. I need to be rescued. I need to be saved. I accept Jesus, what you did on the cross for me, for the payment of my sins. When we accept that and say, man, I'm going to put my trust. I'm going to follow you. Here's what happens. We're forgiven and more. We're forgiven, and the Bible also tells us we are given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't just a gut feeling. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit in us, speaking to our spirit. Hear what the Apostle Paul tells us about the Holy Spirit. Second Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God's Spirit in us, revealing his thoughts, revealing his ways, revealing his wisdom. He leads, he guides, he corrects, he convicts, he speaks. Holy Spirit is often not very loud. I have to pause the busyness, quiet all the other voices, and listen. Is it possible to misinterpret this voice. Oh yeah, a whole lot of crazy stuff has been blamed on the Holy Spirit. Right? You've heard some of it. The Holy Spirit works in coordination with the Bible. The Holy Spirit is in agreement with the Bible. If it conflicts with the Bible, it's not the Holy Spirit. If you want to discern, is this voice I'm hearing, is the Holy Spirit? Well, check it with the Bible. And then also, a really good rule of thumb is to check in with some spiritually mature, mature friends and say, what do you think? Here, here's what I'm hearing. I'm wondering, is this the Spirit or maybe is this something else? Holy Spirit works in check with some of these other systems that God gives us. Genesis 41, verse 40 says, You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Don't oversimplify Genesis chapter 41. Joseph, he didn't just get a lucky break. Joseph changed. Joseph matured through the pit, through the Potiphar's, through the prison. Joseph learned to recognize the unique frequency of the Holy Spirit. And so can you. The more you develop the mind of Christ by getting the Bible in the easier it becomes to distinguish the voice of the Holy Spirit from my own inner junk. Learning to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, well, it takes practice. You know, sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong. 
It's not a hundred percent objective. There's subjectivity with it. So it's important when listening for the Holy Spirit to just to remain humble. Maybe, perhaps, this is spirit. Check in with some other mature followers of Jesus. Wait, is this a spirit? Is it? Is is this something? Something else. The more we practice it, the better we become at it. So my encouragement for, for you today is to try it. Try it today. Just listen throughout the day for for. A prompting, maybe just one prompting, maybe just one listen, leading from the Holy Spirit, and then act on that, follow up on that, and then do that again the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Each time that we listen and respond to Him, we become a little bit more aware of Him. And through the course of time, Slowly, your spirit gets filled with the fruits of his spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control. Anybody want some of that? Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday, and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends, and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.